Dairobi Health Show. Today I've got something completely different. I thought of calling it sleepwalking, but that would be a terrible title. However, I am going to be talking to you about a very personal story in which I overcame a years-long problem with sleep. And it's a story I don't think I've ever shared before on the podcast, but I thought it just might help some of you or anyone who's had a sleep problem that you know. And uh, I think it's pretty cool because it was it's free. It doesn't involve much in the way of changing habits, and yet it's kind of deep and profound. At least I think it is. We'll see what you think. And I did it quite differently. I actually, the reason I wanted to call it sleepwalking is because I, I went for a walk. I went for a walk this morning with my dog, and I don't know why. I just felt like walking and sharing this story. Now, that adds for a little bit of background noise, some of which is very cool, like the hawk that you'll hear early on. And some of which is just me walking. But I'm going to see how this works. If you really hate it, let me know. Uh, But otherwise, I hope you enjoy this episode in the great outdoors of Provo, Utah, as I walk Kiki the Critter and tell you about this story that literally changed my life because it's how I figured out how to get a good night's sleep after years of insomnia. I hope you enjoy. Good morning, dear listener. I'm trying something completely new today. You are joining me and my critter, Kiki, as we're out for a walk. And we just got to that magical point of our walk for her where we've left the subdivision and she gets to go off the leash. And if you're lucky, you will actually hear the hawk in the background that is sitting atop the power pole. And we're gonna be walking under that in just a minute. And we will get in about our 5,000 steps. There's the hawk. I hope you heard that. It's very cool. There's a pair of them out here. And it's super cool when the two of them are out over the fields circling. And uh, I don't see it very often, but every now and then I will see them dive down and catch a snake or a mouse or something. Uh, So the topic today while I'm walking in these fields is sleep and specifically how I overcame years of sleep problems, not through physical means so much. I mean, I tried a lot of different things and one of the things I found early on was that uh, exercising in the morning was critical. Exercising in the evening just got me wired and kept me awake, but trying physical things, uh, mental things, supplements, tried all kinds of things and nothing worked until I found this kind of mental hack or trick. But the words hack or trick um, are not adequate because it goes deeper than that. And those words make it sound uh, cheap. And today I want to dive a little bit deeper into this methodology that I believe is actually based on deep psychology, maybe even spirituality. And see if I can't share something with you that might really help you if you're not sleeping very well. But part of this goes back into my explorations into meditation. And I I became a serious meditator uh, back in 2017, I believe, is when I first joined a Sangha, a meditation group. And I also, uh, shortly after, attended some events and retreats. And this became a super important part of my life. And 
one of the great realizations I had during this period of time and through this, this teaching was the simple concept that I am not my thoughts. And in the English language, we use phrases like, I am angry, or I am confused, or worse, uh, you make me angry. And in meditation, you, you quickly learn that there's actually a separation there, that, that you, the observer, the experiencer of life, can actually observe emotions. That emotions are not you. They are something that, that you can actually observe. And this separation is vital because I think many, many people go through their entire lives thinking that they are basically their thoughts. But the revelation and the personal experience in meditation of being able to drop back into your most primal sense of consciousness and notice that you can observe your thoughts, you can observe your emotions, you can pay attention to, uh, to them on various levels, how they make you feel. Is there a certain temperature? For example, in one exercise I did at a retreat, the guide had us all imagine the worst experience we've ever had. I mean, they just dredge up some awful thing that happened to you in your life. And he said, you know, don't go through. If someone really traumatized you, maybe don't go there. But, but something that is awful in the normal sense of being awful that many other people might go through, that you just had a really, really bad day type thing. And he had us reimagine this and then picture it and feel it. And he had us feel it on various levels, you know. And then I kind of identify, try to bring back to how we felt that very day with things like, okay, where are you feeling it in your body? Which is a really interesting question. Is it in your head? Is it in your chest, your neck? Is it the top of your head, the middle of your head, the bottom of your head, the back of your head, the front of your chest? Does it have a color? Could you, could you try to picture this awful emotion and what color would it be? Which is another interesting little experiment. And, and then does it have heat? Is there a heat to this emotion? If so, where are you feeling the heat? How hot is it? What type of heat is it? Is it kind of the heat of a hot day or the heat of a sauna? Or is it kind of a, a you know, humid heat or a dry heat, a piercing heat? You know, there, there's different ways of experiencing all these different emotions and feelings. And then he had us go ahead and do a, a different type of experiment where we took a very pleasant experience, one of the best days of our lives. And we went through the exact same process, analyzing it from various areas. Anyways, I found the whole exercise to be very profound. And the, the takeaway, the punchline to all this was that when he later had us revisit that terrible experience, universally, there's probably 60 people in the room, and he asked us to redo the experiment and then said, now, how does that feel now compared to the first time? And every single person said that after really diving in and accepting the emotions and, and looking into this awful experience from various points of view, that it wasn't as powerful 
that it didn't have the the same negative amount of of energetic negativity that it used to have. And it was part of this whole discovery that you are not your thoughts, you are not your experiences. You can actually observe them. And actually, when you own them and live with them, it can take power from them. And that was all part of the process. So that's kind of an important background, I think, to what I'm going to tell you about my personal experience with overcoming years of bad sleep. And and this is really bad. And I mean, if you haven't had bad sleep problems, uh, you may not appreciate what, you know, how awful it can be. And it kind of ruins your next day if you don't get a good night's sleep. I remember one time I'd started triathlon and I was doing fairly well. I started off as a very terrible swimmer, a mediocre cyclist, but I found I had a gift with running. And so everyone could get ahead of me in the water and then I could catch a few on the bike, but then I could chase everyone down on the run. And finally I thought, you know, if I worked hard at this, I could probably get a medal in my age group. And so I set a goal. I picked a race. It was a big competitive race with, I think, 1,600 people. And I wanted to win my age group. And I worked really hard for six months and trained with a coach and really took this thing seriously. And the night before, I had insomnia. I lay tossing and turning. And then the thoughts about, oh, I got a big race tomorrow. I got to get to sleep. Come on. You know, and all the fighting that you do mentally when you have insomnia. And some of you can relate to this, I'm sure. But, and, and, and the, uh, my partner who was taking me up to the race, uh, my partner, um, uh, my friend Perry, uh, should be careful how to use the word partner. Uh, the two of us drove to the race together. Let's just put it that way. He had to pick me up at 4 a.m. to get there on time. And I don't think I got to sleep till 2.30. So I had like an hour and a half of sleep. And we get in the car and I was just like, you know, discouraged. Just like, I, I can't win. I can't get a medal having an hour and a half of sleep, tossing and turning all night. Uh, but I tried, you know, so I went out there and I gave it my all. And it turned out I got third place in my age group. And it was the hardest run I've done in my life to this day. I've done marathons. I've done half marathons. I've done Spartan beasts. I've done a lot of different physical challenges. And that 5K is one of the hardest things I ever did on no sleep. But I was able to get third place and reach my goal of getting a medal in my age group in an important race. Super satisfying. And so I learned that you can perform on very little sleep. But, of course, it's better to get a, get a good night's sleep, right? So I wonder how well I could have done if I'd have slept that night. So back to the hack, the mental hack the trick, if you will, that I think is so much more profound than hack or trick, but I don't know how else to say it. And it's based on the principles I shared earlier of separation, separation of you and your thoughts, you and your emotions. And what it was is I finally learned that I needed to do two things. One was reframe the entire experience. And what I mean by that is the last thoughts we have before we go to sleep kind of set us up for whatever is going to happen when we wake up in the morning. For example, if you're going to bed and you're thinking, I really want eight hours of sleep tonight, you're setting an expectation 
And in the morning, you might wake up and look at the clock, at clock and you got seven and a half hours and you might feel a little deprived. It might even set you up for, oh, I, I probably won't have as much energy today. Today won't be as good of a day because I wanted eight hours sleep. I only got seven and a half. You're setting yourself up with a little disappointment first thing in the morning. Let's put that thought on hold and think about Christmas Day. And if you're not Christian, some other big important day, maybe your birthday or a a vacation you've looked forward to for a long, long time. Remember as a child when you went to bed, knowing that the next day was going to be incredible, it did not matter how you slept. As a matter of fact, that might have messed up your sleep and you didn't care. You might have tossed and turned in bed because you're so excited for what's coming the next day, but you're not thinking like a grown-up. You're not thinking, I hope I get this much sleep. Have I done my, my bedtime routine? Uh, no, you just get in bed, you're super excited, and the next day, you don't care what time it is. The excitement flows in, and you run down to open your presents or to do whatever it is that you're going to do on that special day, to pack your suitcase, whatever. So, part of this whole process is to stop setting these expectations that you might then wake up in the morning with a disappointment. You don't want to start any day in your life with a disappointment, right? Isn't it better to start your day in the most positive way, regardless of how well you slept? I believe so. We want to make the most of every single day. Every day is a gift on this planet. So, first of all, there's that. Stop setting the expectations or the mindset or I hope this happens or I hope that happens. Instead, what you're going to do is come up with a statement Something along the lines of, I trust my mind and body to get exactly the right amount of sleep that I need. I'm going to wake up in the morning feeling positive and energized. Okay, sort of an affirmation, right? And then, and, and take that phrase and make it your own. Come up with the words that resonate with you. And what you do is you say those words you try, even if you're faking it, to put as much trust as possible in your mind and your body to get the right amount of sleep for you. Maybe the maximum you can get, given that you have, so you're, you're accepting, accepting maybe you still have your sleep disorder. And just like the acceptance of the emotions I talked about earlier, that helps take away the power. But we're not trying to tough guy them away. We're not trying to pretend we don't have them. What we're doing is we're just accepting that we have the issues, but what we're doing on oh, my dog, I just heard a, a cowboy in the shed doing something, looking after the cows nearby. <laughs> Come on, Kiki. I'm going to turn around and walk the other way away from the barn. Last thing we want is my dog charging into a barn <laughs> Okay, here she comes. So this thought, again, we're not in denial. We're not being fakely optimistic. We are just genuinely accepting what life is throwing at us. As a matter of fact, we might consider this radical acceptance. Because deep down, we know we might only get two hours sleep. We might get four. However, we're accepting it. We're, we're trusting our body to do the best it possibly can. Then the next step 
involves what I talked about earlier, the separation, the separation between you and your thoughts. So what happens here is rather than fighting it, in Buddhism, they call it the second arrow. Okay, so in a, in a war, an ancient war, the warrior gets shot with an arrow and the Buddha says, you know, you know, would that hurt? And all the followers say, yes, Buddha, that would hurt. And then he says, well, what if we, what if we shoot a second arrow into the exact same place right after? How much would that hurt? And they say, well, that would hurt even more. And, uh, and he says, well, you know, if you are in a state of anger and then you get angry that you're angry, you're shooting yourself with a second arrow. So it's better to just take care of the first arrow and not add additional pain. Now, that is the principle that I'm talking about here. You already have the arrow. You already have a sleeping problem. What you don't want to do is compound it by lying down in bed. You've said your statement, and now you're not falling asleep. And so now you start going, oh, I'm not falling asleep. And so now your thoughts are compounding the problem. Instead, you just have to let everything go. You've made your statement, and now if you're fidgety, let's say it's a physical thing that's keeping you awake, you can't get comfortable, you gotta keep moving your body, that was something that would happen to me a lot. I just have this sense of having to move, having to roll over, having to lie on my front, my side, my back, moving. My wife would sometimes say, can you go sleep on, <laughs> sleep on the couch? Because you know, I was moving around so much, it would distract her. Well, again, I'm not going to fight that. You don't, you don't fight that. Instead, you just accept it. Just go, oh, I'm feeling fidgety. I, I think I'll move. And you move. And then you just lie there. And you do not judge. You just accept the best that you can, the fidgetiness, the racing mind. If your mind is racing, you are no longer fighting your racing mind. You're just accepting it. You're even going with it. What's it racing about? Why? Okay, well, just follow this. I'm not angry at my racing mind. I'm just going to allow it because I trust my mind and my body to give me the best possible night's sleep that I can get tonight. And when I started this process, it did not take long before I started falling asleep more quickly, before I started to get a good night's sleep, before I got less fidgety, before, you know, th th this literally changed my life. I mean, it's been years now since I've had the problem. I still have the occasional bad night's sleep like anybody else. I don't think anyone is perfect all the time in how they sleep. However, I tend to get to bed a little before 10 or around 10 o'clock. And I just wake up feeling terrific between about 5.45 and 6.15. And I just jump into my morning routine. And every single night, I repeat that phrase. Tonight, I'm going to get the exact right amount of sleep. And I'm going to wake up in the morning feeling energized. And you know what? Most days I do. And so I no longer wake up and ju I'm judgy about the clock. If I wake up, I occasionally do wake up at four or five, which feels too early. I'm like I can't really get going, but I just go with it. I'm like, okay, this must be what I needed. I'm getting up, I'm going. And so I just share all this with you in hopes that someone out there has you know, maybe struggled with a variety of things, maybe even tried drugs and uh, uh, all, uh, you know, sleep <laughs> clinics and who knows what, and 
And, and of course, I, I don't know that this can solve everyone else's problem. I just know what it did for me, but it's certainly worth trying. And if you or a loved one has trouble sleeping, take these principles and use the reframing, the statement, and then the allowing, and then see if that doesn't help. See if it doesn't possibly even solve the problem as it did for me. And I think you could pour gas on the fire by starting a meditation habit, which, which I still do. And every day I spend between sometimes just three or four minutes and sometimes 20 and sometimes an hour. It depends what I feel like I need. However, developing a simple meditation habit of however long works for you, I think is an important part of this process because that really helps to create that separation between you and your thoughts, you and your emotions. And I think that's critical to the entire underlying process of what I'm talking about. So there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to me ramble while I walk in the fields with Kiki the Critter. Maybe we got lucky and heard that hawk earlier. And regardless, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dairobi Health Show. This is Dave Sherwin wishing you health and success.